Welcome, welcome, welcome once again. Um, I'm Dr. Moreland. I'm here at Purity Health. And in some regards, I say to people on days like this, howdy partners, thank you for joining me. Um, I am a primary care physician here at Purity Health. I help with uh, lots of uh, patient complaints, cases, problems, all of the above. And um, I practice primary care medicine. Imagine that, primary care. Okay, so um, annual visits, um, men's health, women's health, sports physicals, um, and uh, you know all the all the things, general physical exams, anything that your primary care doctor would do, I do as well. Sometimes I would argue that I'm better than them. <laughs> Depends on who you ask, though, right? Anyways, today's topic should not, and what's discussed during that topic, should not be construed as uh, medical advice in any way, shape, or form. It should be, um, you should be able to take this information, take it back to your uh, primary care provider, your physician, your licensed healthcare professional, and make sure before incorporating this into your diet lifestyle that it is okay and safely safe for you to do so, okay? So today we're going to talk a little something about, uh, I think a lot of people who see me may know about it. They call it um, gluten intolerance. Okay. Gluten intolerance. What the heck? I hear so much about. They've got the, all those big GFs on the, uh, on the labels in the grocery store. What's that big GF? Gluten-free. What's all this buzz? People are feeling better. People are feeling worse. Blah, blah, blah. I know about Crohn's, I know about celiacs, I know about, you know, uh, Hashimoto's um, thyroiditis or autoimmune thyroiditis. Gluten intolerance, what does that have to do with? Well, I'll tell you what, um, gluten intolerance in particular is, well, let's, let's, let's be honest, it's an intolerance of gluten, but there's very many and varying capacities to why um, gluten may not be tolerated tolerated in the body. And there's a lot of theories about it. So I guess even before that, what is gluten? Well, gluten is a protein that's found in um, wheat and uh, barley and rye. And it is a uh, protein that's been in there for a long time. And there's a lot of different theories of why it's so... Mm, uh, so bothersome to the human body in varying capacities, right? Um, gluten in particular, uh, wheat, you know, farro and um, um, camut and all these different forms of wheat, ha wheat <laughs> have been hybridized for a long period of time, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of years to where they get to us in their form today. And even if they're not genetically modified by um, our dear friends at the biotechnology places that like to genetically engineer the food supply. Um, their genetics have been so, I guess, um, hyper hybridized because of splicing different plants with different other plants and breeding them. Try and find the most, you know, drought resistant, flood resistant, bug resistant, whatever um, form of gluten out there that the body has a hard time in some instances uh, recognizing um, what that part that gluten is compared to some similar proteins in our body so gluten is present 
in a lot of foods that are even non-gluten containing because there's always that problem of um, cross-contamination, whether it's in the storage or the manufacturing in the facility um, where foods are made and if they can possibly come into contact with gluten. So gluten in particular, some people um, have a very, very um, challenging pathologies. So um, celiac disease, right? Celiac disease, um, it can be a pathology of the body's response to um, gluten in particular. It doesn't always have to be gluten. It could be a subunit called gliadin. Um, a person's genetics can have a really big effect on whether they are sensitive or not sensitive to gluten in the body. Gluten includes, so when it comes to that, like, for instance, I'll tell my patients, um, those from a Scottish Irish descent have a tendency to have higher incidence of um, celiac disease, but celiac, celiac or, and or Crohn's disease, but they also can have a higher um, incidence of uh, um, gluten sensitivity or intolerance, right? So here's the idea, and I explain this to my patients a lot. So what is an intolerance? Well, it can't outwardly be identified as a pathology such as celiacs or Crohn's, but somebody can say, well, geez, my digestion's off. You know, perhaps it's, um, so perhaps it's no, uh, or, or loose stools. Perhaps it is, um, perhaps it is constipation. Perhaps it's, um, just terrible amounts of gas and bloating after eating, like extreme discomfort, you know, gosh, my, my pants don't fit after I eat, things like that. That can be um, huge science of, of, of gluten intolerance. Some of the ways to be able to um, um, assess whether it is gluten, in fact, that's the, the challenge in the person's diet is, you know, we can eat organic all we want, blah, 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 is a food allergy sensitivity panel and a food allergy or food sensitivity panel, it can give us some information. There's nothing absolute about it. Um, a lot of the conventional medical profession um, doesn't buy a lot of it, but you know what, just because those guys don't buy a lot of it doesn't mean that it hasn't been helpful in the past to patients that really like or I'm sorry, that have taken those panel, taken that panel and actually got some very constructive um, uh, information from that and are able to apply that. So the food sensitivity panel, it's an IgG sensitivity panel, um, and it shows if your body is reactive to certain proteins that they test. It's a blood test and they can show that. Um, and some people's gluten and gliadin sensitivities, gluten and gliadin, right? The subunit, gliadin is the subunit of protein, will be higher up than that, well, that correlates with their body type or their body, um, uh, uh, their body's feeling when gluten is ingested, right? So they can have these symptoms and then they can kind of have the idea of saying, well, my food sensitivity test kind of showed the same thing too. Well, okay. <clears throat> so what do we do with that information? Um, it used to be, I used to really, really be into prescribing the food sensitivity or I'm sorry, the food sensitivity, um, the food elimination diet. But the food elimination diet is pretty challenging in and of itself because uh, where it used to be four weeks, we usually do 12 weeks now, 12 weeks. That's a whole three months of 
elimination of a particular food. And instead of telling patients to eliminate that, I give them diet, uh, I'm sorry, not diets, I give them grocery shopping lists, I give them recipes, I give them sample meal plans, um, as well as what to look for on ingredient labels so that they can, if they decide to eliminate gluten from their diet, they can do it um, um, astutely for three months and reap the benefits if in fact gluten is the offending agent. So, you know, if people aren't experiencing, gosh, blood and stool and some of the more severe things, I think this would be a less invasive approach to do it. In elimination, last time I checked, the elimination diet plan under the care of a supervision is the gold standard according to the American Association of Gastroenterologists. Um, the other way to do that is to do a colonoscopy. Basically, uh, use a scope to find out if, in fact, those pathologies that are seen with Crohn's and celiacs are, in fact, happening in the uh, lower intestine in particular, um, skip lesions and things like that, things that they look for to diagnose that. Um, in a real severe case, that may, be, that may be a great way to go about finding if it's more than just gluten intolerance, if there's actually a pathology happening in the intestines as a result of gluten exposure or gluten consumption. So anyways, back to the elimination, I'll usually have patients um, if, if they suspect it's gluten, I know it's the kind of the demonized thing in society, but a lot of times I got to admit gluten is a lot of the culprit for some people's, excuse me, discomfort or, you know, again, the symptoms before gas bloating and things like that. So the elimination diet goes on for 12 weeks. You know, the patient's on the honor system for having to do this, the patient's on the honor system. So it's up to them to make sure that they in fact are getting the uh, gluten eliminated out of their diet. When that happens, uh, after 12 weeks, usually the patient understands that they feel significantly better or they it's been 12 weeks. It's hard to really compare and contrast that original elimination with now 12 weeks later that it isn't in the body. Maybe it wasn't that. So what do we do? If somebody says, I know it was that for sure, um, there's this part of the diet called rechallenge. They may not want to rechallenge at all. They may want to stay away from gluten in its entirety, or if they know that they have it, they'll a gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity, or um, they might just have it in places where it will be good, um, you know, for the occasion, and they'll have a certain set of symptoms. They'll deal with it and be done. Other people have that a small amount and it would be detrimental, really, really hazardous for them to consume. So those people that don't really notice a difference, we do what's called a rechallenge, and that is um, ingest the most pure form of gluten. So, um, you know, 100% wheat berry cereal is what I recommend. 100% um, wheat berry cereal without the milk, like we're just trying to isolate what we've eliminated and re-expose the body to that and see if the symptoms come back and have them eat a quantity that's worth it, not just a bite, but have them eat quant a quantity of that gluten that actually is going to elicit some somewhat of a response if they're intolerant to it. Then it happens, then if, if, if they have an adverse or a negative effect and you know, their symptoms come back or a new symptom shows up and it's bad for the body, well, guess what? You got your answer, you got your answer. And then they know, hey, that's an it. Some people will re-challenge and they'll say, I really don't notice any different, nothing's fine, perhaps it's 
perhaps it's dose dependent, and it can be a lot of variety of other things. Um, uh, you know, gluten is one to single out. Certainly there's, you know, eggs, there's dairy, you know, which includes milk, cheese, yogurt, ice cream, um, cottage cheese. And then, you know, there's, there's different ones, obviously the food additives, the food colorings, certainly refined sugar is one of them, uh, the nightshades and, um, a couple other ones. So there's a variety of things that people can eliminate to see what, you know, it doesn't have to be digestive. It could be skin stuff. Like I can't get rid of this rash on my left shoulder. Is it, is it gluten? Is it dairy? Is it the nightshade vegetables and things like that? So it's a systematic way to be able to do that. The dangerous part about that, uh, elimination, the food elimination plan is you don't know who, what patient that's sitting in front of you's relationship to food is. So to eliminate something for somebody that has struggled with perhaps eating challenges in the past, uh, can be really, really, um, dicey to deal with when it comes to somebody having a food intolerance of some type, because you don't want to start up that positive negative relationship with food just because we are trying to implement something that might further benefit their health. So that's a challenge. The last thing I'm going to say about, uh, our friend gluten or others enemies, gluten, right? Um, is gluten can have a lot of times effect on the thyroid gland. Okay. So gluten, uh, gluten's effect on the thyroid gland looks, it, and it goes a little something like this. Okay. So you have your pituitary gland making thyroid stimulating hormone up here, tells the thyroid to secrete T3 and T4. So active and inactive. When we can, when some people consume gluten, um, the body, the body doesn't chop up those proteins and gluten in the gut as much as it should. They cross that barrier from inside the intestine to where you eat, to where you've eaten gluten. And it goes through where digestion takes place through the intestinal barrier. And the body says, holy cow, we got this protein in here that hasn't been chopped up. It's obviously an enemy. It's a foreign agent. We've got to attack it. And then an immune response happens. Well, luckily 80% of your gut associated lymphoid tissue of your immune system is in your gut for surveillance. The challenge and the correlation with um, autoimmune thyroiditis when it comes to gluten sensitivity is the proteins that make up the thyroid gland look very, very similar to the body uh, enough to that which is found in gluten and gliadin. So therefore, those people that are sensitive can consume gluten or gliadin. It goes across the membrane, uh, the barrier of the intestine, into the body. The body recognizes it again because it's built up antibodies against that antigen or against that protein. But also this beautiful gland around your, that hugs and holds your trachea here, your thyroid gland, is also very similar looking to gluten. So the body naturally says, hey, not only is it in the intestine, but it's up here around the around this person's trachea. We still got to attack it. And that's when you have an autoimmune. And it's not all derived from gluten sensitivity. But that's when you can have an autoimmune um, response, the body attacking itself. And as a result of that, um, sometimes we'll, we'll run tests like thyroglobulin antibodies, antibodies against the thyroid gland made by the body, or anti-TPO antibodies, which is thyroid peroxidase an enzyme that converts inactive thyroid T4 to active T3. 
And usually if those two are high, there's probably something to it as far as the gluten is concerned. Those are inflammatory markers and anything can cause those to be inflamed really. But in particular, it's, it's through clinical practice, I've seen a lot that correlates with gluten sensitivity. Is it all related to that? The answer is no, no. But a lot of times when people who um, have higher inflammatory amounts of those two particular tests, I'll say, hey, you know, um, would you consider, and, and, you know, it's 2021, so there's great alternatives out there for a gluten-free diet. Um, a lot of those things um, don't taste like uh, stale cardboard anymore or hot garbage like they used to, even just five years ago. So when it comes to gluten intolerance, there's a lot of different ways of doing these things, uh, a lot of different ways of approaching it. Some of the arthritis in the body, you know, um, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, potential, potentially scleroderma, lupus, and some of those major arthritis, some of those major um, autoimmune disorders are not all caused by gluten sensitivity, but there can be an overlay of how uh, the exposure to gluten influences the uh, symptomatic presentation and the pathology of the disease in the body. Um, a lot of those antibody immune complexes potentially can deposit into the joints. So in a lot of the arthritis and a lot of those autoimmune diseases, you see those people say, well, I have joint pain or hip pain or knee pain, or I've got pain in my fingers and things like that. Um, so it's, uh, gluten intolerance is a, is a big thing and it's a real thing and it may not necessarily be due to, you know, organic versus non-organic or GMO versus non-GMO. A lot of it, it has to do with genetics and a lot of, ha of it has to do with them hybridizing this plant throughout thousands and thousands of years and then finding out that in fact, it's not compatible. It's not biocompatible with a given person's, um, digestive tract, um, you know, and it doesn't have to manifest as thyroid again. It can be GI stuff. It could be gas bloating. It can be um, uh, constipation. It can be diarrhea. It can be, you know, a lot of different things too. So I would strongly advise you to check out your uh, friendly neighborhood naturopathic physician because they probably got a leg up on those sorts of things. Um, they probably do. Probably do. Um, so gluten intolerance, keep an eye out for it. It's just one of many, many things that I do here at Purity, and I'd like to help you if I may be able to do so. If you uh, would like to schedule an appointment here at Purity Health with me or any of our other more than competent physicians, you could uh, call us at 425-338-2357 or visit us on internet at puritihealth.net. Until next time, I hope you all have a wonderful uh, Wednesday. Till then, hey, take care.